Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. I want to talk about, I want to attempt to talk about, you know, I've been talking about Genesis and Jacob and stuff, but last week I spoke about faith and this morning, uh, the faith that speaks, okay, is, 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 is born out of the spirit of faith. And so I want to talk about, I want to attempt to talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit our senior partner, our Lord, our boss, the Holy Spirit. Yes. In, in, um, in Hebrew, sorry, in Greek, is the Hagios Pneuma. In Latin, it's called Sentespire. Is it Latin? In French, is Spirit. Okay, then it's French and um, Spirit de Sante is Latin. No, uh, it's Spanish. And then Sante Spirit is French. And in, in, in Latin, how could I have even forgotten? Agioi is holy. Numa, spirit, the Greek. Okay, Numa is spirit, wind, breath. So. Hagios Numa is the holy breath, the holy spirit. Okay, and Jesus calls him the Alos Paraclete. The Paraclete, someone who is called to come alongside you. Paracletus. All right. Ekeleo, call. Para, aside. So call aside. Call to Paracletus. But Jesus calls him the Alos not hetero. Hetero is different. Alos, the same of another kind. So another of the same. So if I actually bring that chair, bring another one, it's not, if you may, you may not even notice the difference. For it's the same. But just that it's not only one. So the Holy Spirit is the same as Jesus. So Jesus came as the comforter. He said, I will send another comforter. That means who will be with you, someone who will do what I've been doing. Another of the same. Alos Paracletus. And those of you who've been around a little while, I, I think somewhere last year, I spoke about how, or last two years, the, the, the Hebrew, sorry, the, it was translated into Latin. The Alos Paracletus, it was translated as another comforter. I'll pray the Father and he'll send another comforter. All right, so... Alos Paracletus, another comforter. Some translations use the helper. Other translations say the comforter. John chapter 14, 
Verse 16, I'll pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Say another comforter. Another so that, that phrase, another comforter, another comforter is Allos Paracletus. So Paracletus called alongside is a comforter and I explained that the Latin root, the Latin meaning behind comforter is made up of two words. Come and then forty, and then come has to do with with with. So chili con carne, chili with carne. <laughs> con, conform, form with. Okay, so when you the English English words, most of the English words that has got come or con before it has the root is the uh, um, the con. All right, it's Latin, comes, most of that come from Latin roots, which means with or end or in. So come, come is with, and then forta is the forte, comfort. With fort, forte is not my forte, my strength. Piano forte, so soft and loud. Fortress, or fortress. Fortress comes from the word forty. Uh, forty, something that is a stronghold for protection. Fortress, fortify to fortify something to make it strong. So forty, when they say it's not my forty, it means that it's not my strength. So forty is, is, is strength. So come forty with strength. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes with strength. So as I explained some time ago, I went to the gym, and my trainer was helping me too lift some weights, which always, the weights always are heavy. <laughs> and sometimes when you start, especially when the ones that are not too heavy, when you start, you know, oh, but this is easy. <laughs> it's easy. But it gets to a time, then you realize that the easy has become a problem. And you can't. And you can't. It gets to a time, now you can't go again, so the trainer will just help you lift it to put it on the hook, or whatever it's called, to lift it. So. Where your strength ends, stops. The one, he comes with strength. The Holy Spirit comes with strength to make you be able to do what humanly you can't do, but needs to be done to the glory of God. Comforter. He, he comes with strength. He said that I will send the comforter. In John chapter 16, verse 5, but now I go away to him who sent me. This is Jesus speaking. Most of you, your Bibles, if it's red letter edition, this is in red. Okay, this will be in red in your Bible. I go, now I go away to him who sent me. That's Jesus talking about God who sent him. And none of you ask me, Covadis. <laughs> That's Latin, Covadis, where are you going? None of you ask me, where are you going? And do you know why they were not asking him? Because they were not happy he was going. Verse, 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 the next verse, verse six. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. In what way is it to our advantage if you leave us? You are going, and you say it's to my advantage. You are my, you have been my protection. 
You have been my best friend. You have been with you cannot be compared to anything. And you are our boss, our Lord. We are following you. And you are saying that it's to our advantage. You go away. How can it be to my advantage if my mom leaves me? How can it be to my advantage if my dad leaves me? How can it be to our advantage if the prime minister decides that he's leaving UK? <laughs> <laughs> Some people will be very happy, isn't it? One day you hear that they say, oh, the queen has decided to leave. She's living somewhere in India. She has made the place her place. She she doesn't want anything. So people are coming. In fact, she's taking everything back in Ampalis. Timoli is taking it there. And she's telling us, be happy, I'm going. It's to our advantage you go. No, it's to our advantage you are here, humanly speaking. Practically speaking. So if it's to our advantage, you go. In what way? It says to our advantage, I go. It's your advantage, I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Ah! What are you talking about? The helper. But you know, you're helping us. I'm trying to say there's somebody who will actually help us better than you are doing now. You know, it says me, I'm here. But another of the same is coming. I have to go so he has to come, so he can come. Mm. But if I depart, I will send him to, you see the him, capital. I will send him to you, verse 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, because you can't do it. And of righteousness and of judgment. Go to the next verse. Of sin because they do not, the world do not believe in me. Of Righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. I feel like a bit, and judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I want to go a little bit because, am I okay to digress? Maybe you learned something here. I'm yet to look into that text very much, but I tend to agree. I heard a, a man of God say something about a text and I tend to agree. The text before, let's go to verse nine again. It says that of, Okay, let's take it from verse 8. Let me show you something. He said, when he comes, uh, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So three things. Convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. I, I, when you read it, it looks like he will convict the world of sin, he will convict the world of righteousness, he will convict the world. What does it mean to convict of righteousness at all? What does it mean to convict of sin? Convict. Convict means there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts, Satan condemns. What's the difference? Conviction makes you feel sorry about what you are doing, which is not good. But it makes you feel sorry and want you, it makes you want you to go closer to God who will help you. Condemnation makes you feel sorry and you want to stay away from God because you feel so condemned, you feel so dirty. So that's where Adam and Eve, God appeared and they had to cover themselves and hide themselves because they felt condemned. So through gospel does not condemn, it convicts. Any preaching that makes you feel so useless, you don't want to come close to God, is condemnation. 
genuine preaching makes you feel convicted about the bad stuff you are doing, and yet it makes you, it makes you feel, I still want to come close to God. It, make, it draws you closer. You feel, oh, thank God. I, I reject my sins and accept you. Condemnation is, I don't like this thing and I'm useless. And God doesn't even like me anymore. No, God, I don't deserve you. That's condemnation. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. He never condemns. In fact, he puts it this way, that if there is anyone who should condemn any human being, it should be Jesus, the sinless one. Some of you know people who know you. <laughs> they know you so well and so much, they can't accept any good thing you do. Because they remember you very well. And sometimes, they are right, you know. Sometimes they are right. Because you are coming to church and praising God and crying. And you get up again and go and do this same, same thing. And they, they know you. All right, so he says that um, when he comes, he will convict the world. Put it back on the screen. I was showing you something I went to. So far away from. When he comes, he, uh, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Go to the next verse. Of sin because they, who don't believe? Who? The world. So the people who don't believe is convicting them, making them feel like you see their sin. You have sin. So it cuts the heart. Bible says when Peter finished preaching, they were cut to the heart. That's conviction. It cuts to your heart. You know you are a sinner. Do you know it? That's why they don't want to hear the name Jesus. Because the name Jesus carries convicting powers. Convicts. I told you the story of uh, years ago, a friend of ours who came to UK, uh, early days he came to UK, a Christian brother, he found a job at a bingo. And there's a board, he said, at where, the, where he works, there's a board there. But anybody at all can write anything. You swear words, anything you can write. Bush, go to hell. You were are, you are born in the bush, that's why. Anything. <laughs> anything. So you can write anything. You can write some serious stuff. But that's what the board is for. It's made for. And then one day, okay. He also went and wrote, oh, all sinners will go to hell. The boss called him. They called him that we don't accept this kind of things here. You can't be writing this here. Why? Because the gospel convicts. In fact, John puts it this way. Um, John chapter 3, verse, I think, 18, 19, somewhere there. It says that, man, he will believe. Go to the verse 19. Verse 19 is that this is the condemnation, uh, sorry, this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Their deeds are evil. Because that of man's evil deeds, they don't want the light to come. Turn off the, hey, turn off the light! <laughs> what? Have you had this thing? What? what uh, you guys. Johnny. What are you doing with her in the dark? <laughs> what are you guys doing in the dark? 
Can you imagine after church? And you see one sister and one brother. You see them standing in the dark. It, it will inform your decisions. Why? They've been standing there for too long. Men love darkness because their deeds are evil. I've spoken too long, longer than I expected on this subject. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of the, the next one, the next one. He will convict them of sin because they don't believe in me. So this is the world. But the, what about the next one? The next point, verse 10. Of righteousness and what? So it looks like the righteousness is in relation to us. Because you see me no more, so you convict your righteousness. And judgment because Satan is condemned. They're judged. So um, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin for the world. Righteousness for the believers. Judgment for the devil. So in what way does he convict us of righteousness? That's why I was going to say earlier on, I've taken 15 minutes talking about marriage and other things. Are you interested in knowing? Yes. When you are a believer, listen to this very, very carefully. I said, I heard a certain pastor say it. I was listening to it and it blessed me. I've not researched it, but I think it's true. Convict the well, the, uh, it will convict us of righteousness. Convict is something that pricks your heart yeah. of the, the reality and the truthfulness of something. So if it's convicting you of sin, it pricks your heart, you see, that's sin, that's sin. How about righteousness? It pricks your heart and lets you know that you are righteous because of Christ. You are right. It takes the Holy Spirit that's to it. actually yes. accept the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. It takes the Holy Spirit because if he's not, Christ is not physically here, the Holy Spirit is the one who makes us know that we are actually righteous and bound for heaven. It's very interesting. He, con- he doesn't convict us. Watch this. Convict the Christian of sin. Can I say that again? Did he hear? Yeah. He doesn't convict. He didn't say he will convict the, the Christian of sin. He convicts the world of sin so they know they are sinners. He convicts the Christian of righteousness so they know they are righteous. So sinner and the righteous, the difference is belief. He said they're of sin because they don't believe in me. So what makes a person a sinner is unbelief, yes. not behavior. Wow. Wow. I, I got this. So he convicts, he convicts the sinner, the world, of sins. Yeah. And the righteous man, he convicts us of righteousness. And so after you have had a hot argument with your brother, and you feel so disgusted, and feel so bad, you call yourself a Christian, look at this, and everyone is railing here, you call yourself a Christian, you call yourself, look at what you were doing last night, you call yourself a Christian. When you hit in his presence, he convicts you of you are still righteous. Ah, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. He convicts you that you are righteous. So why am I righteous and I'm still doing this? Why am I still doing this? Sort it out. Stop it because you are righteous. You can't be doing this. But what they are saying about you is not true because you are righteous in Christ. 
So the enemy will accuse you, you are dirty, you are sinful, you are this, and the Holy Ghost will still be convicted. Whilst the enemy is accusing you, the Holy Spirit is convicting you that you are righteous. If you are in Christ, you are righteous. But how about my works? You are righteous. Let's start from there, then we will sort out the works. If you are in Christ, you are righteous. If you are in Christ, you are righteous. If you are in Christ, you are righteous. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. It's not the job of the pastor. Because I, I can preach and preach and still, you know, <laughs> pastor doesn't know the number of abortions, of course. <laughs> he doesn't know how many people have murdered. He doesn't know how I've, I've lied against people. He doesn't know how I was gossipy about him last week. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> He's saying I'm righteous. He doesn't know. If you are born again, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So how, you see, we have mixed righteousness with, okay, there are two types of righteousness. The righteousness extra nose, the one Christ gives us, and the righteousness, righteous acts. We are not saved based on our righteous works. We are saved based on his righteousness and he gives it to us. Now, when you are saved, now you live the life of Christ. Christ lives through you to now produce that righteous works in your life. So anytime you fail to let Christ flow through you, flesh will manifest. And any manifestation of the flesh is ungodly. Any manifestation, even though it may be good, society may say, oh, you have done well, you've tried. If it is just purely from you, it's not God. <clears throat> All right, that's too strong. Let, let, let me just, Jesus Christ, watch this. Um, let me finish that text and then I'll show you something. Verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. After the time he was talking. Why? Go on, go on, look at this. However, when he... Can you give me a little bit of volume, please? It's bad. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, let's all say the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. Say it louder, please. The spirit of truth. Louder. The word translated truth is actually not like true or false, but it is reality, reality, real, making it real. So it's the Holy Spirit that makes anything in God real to us. Without the Holy Spirit, how can you actually experience God? Without the Holy Spirit, how can the blessings of God be made real in your life? So Jesus said, I have to go so that the spirit of reality will come. Because he who is the spirit of reality, when he comes, everything I have spoken to you, make it now real, your, your, your actual experience. So it doesn't remain a doctrine, but it becomes an experience. Takes the Holy Spirit. Say, I need you, Holy Spirit. Now, quickly, I want, you to, I want to draw your attention to a little, a few things, and I'll just ramble. Jesus Christ... <laughs> Um, um, Acts, let's look at Acts chapter 2. Or let's go to Acts chapter 5 first. Let's start from Acts 5, 29. Uh, 29, that was, and then 29 to 31. And then we will, from there, we'll go to Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Thank you, Jesus. Someone is being healed of a very severe pain on your, at your back. It's inside, not on the muscles. It looks like inside. Someone is receiving some healing right now. As I'm speaking, the Lord just showed me someone is receiving healing. Then, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree. Who raised Jesus? Who raised Jesus? Since I'm here, I think it would be good I mention it. So I'll continue the message next week if they need. Say, God raised Jesus. God raised Jesus. All right. Look at verse 24 of the same text. I'll come back to verse 24 of the same text. Now, when the high priests and the captains of the temple and the chief priests heard the things, they... Um, they no, I'm sorry. Let's go to 20, chapter 2, verse 24. I'm, so, I'm very sorry. Acts 2, 24. I'm very sorry. So verse, verse 21 says that Jesus Christ, a man attested to, and it shall come to, okay, like, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 22. Men of Israel. Let's go 23, sorry, 23, I want to, sorry. Jesus Christ attested to, him being delivered by the predetermined purpose, uh, uh, by the predetermined purpose and the full knowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death. So who did they put to death? Back, back. Who did they put to death? Jesus. All right, so this is talking about Jesus, verse 22. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, verse 22. 22. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, men of Israel, Jesus of Nazareth. Do you see that? So they took him. God attested him with signs and wonders. Verse 23 says that they took him, and it's based on the purpose of God anyway. And they, through lawless hands, crucified, put him to death. All right, who did they put to death? Jesus. Go to the next verse and see. Whom God raised up. So this is talking about the human Jesus who was crucified. So God, who raised him up from the dead? From the text we have read. Who raised him up? You know, Acts chapter 5, we read that God raised him up again. So look at Romans chapter 8, verse 11. I want to show you something. I think it would be good for you to notice this because it will help you. Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised him, who raised Jesus from the dead, do you see that? Yeah. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Yes. God. So the spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, all right? So God raised Jesus from the dead. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. Look at this. Let's all read it together. Let's go. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. One more time. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. One more time. does this suggest to you? Did he rise or he was risen? He was raised from the dead. Eh? He died and rose. If I said you can't kill me, I laid down my life and I pick it up again. So it seems to suggest that Jesus rose by himself, but then the Bible said God raised him. I will show you. Do you want to know the difference? That's why I said it's good to just, well, I may not get to this again. I may not come in. Do you want to know the difference? 
Are you very sure you want to know the difference? Okay. Jesus Christ was both God and man. So as to his humanity, he was raised by God. As to his divinity, he, he just got up by himself. He put down his life. He said, I laid down my life. John, I think John chapter 19, when he was telling Herod, Herod said, I can kill you. He said, no, something like that. He said, I laid, down my, I, I laid down my life and I pick it up again. So he laid down his life uh, and he picked it up again. He said, John said, don't you know, Pilate said, don't you know I have power to kill you? He said, you can't kill me if it hasn't been given to you. John chapter 19, somewhere there. Is it here? Oh, John chapter 10. Okay. He said, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. Verse 17. Verse 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. That's John. John presents Jesus as God. He laid down. He said, I lay my life down. Can you do that? <laughs> and I take it again. But when they were given, the rec- watch this, watch this. When the apostles were given the account of the hymn, Jesus Christ, he said, Jesus of Nazareth, a man, verse 22 of Acts chapter 2. Jesus of Nazareth. He said, hear me, Jesus of Nazareth, a man, say a man. A man attested by God to you, by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did in your mission. You have killed, and whom God raised. So he's talking about the man Jesus. The man Jesus raised, but the God Jesus got up. So that two text is trying to point to us that he was divine and he was human. Does that make sense? Now, can we go back to my original text? Acts chapter 5. Verse 20, where was I reading? 29. I said, okay, we ought to obey God. Go to the next verse, verse 30. And then we shall. Uh, we, have to obey, we ought to obey God. Uh, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging him on a tree. Verse 31, look at this. That's my text. <laughs> Let's all read it out together, please. Let's go. Some of you are not reading. Shall we all read it out loud? Let's go. Say God has exalted. God has exalted. Say God has exalted. God has exalted. The focus, exalted. Him. Listen, Jesus didn't just die. Jesus didn't just resurrect. Jesus was exalted. Who, for the uh, Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, that he humbled himself to the obedience, even the obedience the death on the cross, unto death, even the death on the cross. Verse 9, Bible said, wherefore, therefore God also has highly exalted him. Now, what, in Acts chapter 5, verse 31, Bible says that God has, him God has exalted. So, he went through death, burial, resurrection, and exaltation. Now, I'm, I'm trying to draw attention, and this is he, Jesus, who walked among us, he ate with us, he played with us, he talked with us, he walked as a human being, and died as a human being, and resurrected, and now exalted. So, 
that Jesus on the cross is already is history or he's left the cross. Jesus has left the cross long time ago. Gentle Jesus, make a man look upon the... That was, that's, that's... That Jesus, eh? you see, some, you see some pictures, some of you have some in your house. He's, he's being carried by a mother. Oh. <laughs> Why don't we have your picture? You've been carried by your mother in your house. <laughs> you have your graduation pictures. <laughs> You rather have your graduation pictures, your wedding pictures. Yeah. Why don't you have your baby picture when your mother was carrying in the arms? Mm. Why do we want to know him as a babe? Mm. When he's exalted as a king. Wow. Yes. Very interesting. Is it the way a lot of things about Christianity the Christ of Christianity has been eclipsed. Yes. Has been serious. So most people think they are Christians, but they don't know Christ. And the Christ they know is the story Christ. The historic Christ. But they don't know the exalted Christ. That's why they can't cut out devils. That's why they still walk in their sins. The exalted Christ changes everything for humanity. Hallelujah. That's profound. Now, um, God has exalted him. Watch this. Watch this. Look, when you read the Bible, sometimes you have to open your eyes. Exalted him to his right hand to, to be prince. And, uh, but is he not prince already? Is he not savior? Uh, give me King James. Give me King James. Some translations use, okay, this also. Some translations used to be Lord and savior. Okay. But is he not savior already? God has not time to be prince and savior. Prince and savior to give repentance to Israel and uh, forgiveness of sin. God exalted him to be Lord and savior. He was Lord all along. But therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name above all names that at the name of Jesus every name shall bow. That's the, the Lord Jesus is there. So he's been Lord all along. Mary, you remember? No, no, sorry. Elizabeth said, the Lord, uh, how the, the magnificent, the mother of my Lord, should be, Luke chapter 1, verse, I think, 43. Yeah, Luke 1, 43. That the mother of my Lord should visit me. Who am I? Lord. That woman says that, but why is this granted me? That the mother of my Lord. So in the, when he was, he was Lord. But after his resurrection, he became a Lord in a certain way, since that he wasn't in the earlier on. Thus, the human being, he exalted, elevated humanity to be a ruler in the realm of the spirit. Human beings have never ruled. That's why he said, it's your interest I go. Why am I going? I am going to raise, I'm about to. When he said I'm going, most people think he said I'm going to heaven. No! When he told the Jews, I'm going somewhere, you can't come. They said, where is he going that we said we can't come? Is he going to go in the uh, uh, diaspora, the dispersion? They were asking a lot of questions. Where is he going to go that he said we can't come? Because where he said, he still told them you can't come. And he told the disciples, I am going somewhere. He said, I'm going to prepare a place and I'll 
When I, when I go, he didn't say when I finish. He said, when I go, I'll take you to be myself. He was going into death and resurrect the humanity. Take human nature and lift human nature. Stand on the chair, sir. And lift human nature into divinity. He said, it's expedient that I go. Because when I go, exalted human nature, now the Holy, I'll send the Holy Spirit and I can actually begin to work with you better from that position of exaltation. So watch it, because of my time. Now Jesus, the Jesus we are dealing with is a Jesus who has been exalted. In Hebrews, he has, is described as di- with different offices. In Hebrews, he's called the high priest. He's called the apostle of our faith. In Hebrews, describes Jesus in an exalted position. In Hebrews, he's called the great shepherd of the sheep. In Hebrews, he's called the, 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 the mediator of the new covenant. He can't do that when he was alive. In Hebrews, he's called the executor of the New Testament. Hallelujah. In Hebrews, the, in, 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 he, he, he calls him the, 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 the high priest of our, our profession. In Hebrews, he's called the, the one who ministers in the true tabernacle in heaven. In, why is he a high priest? He wasn't a high priest when he was physically on earth. He wasn't a high priest, but in his death, burial, and resurrection, he became a high priest. So I'm drawing your attention to the fact that Jesus has become what Jesus has become what many have not been taught. And we are comfortable with baby Jesus in the manger. We are comfortable with Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross was just to execute, to kill, to stop the works of the devil, destroy the works of the devil. But he had to resurrect to validate his work on the cross and to fully bring us redemption. That is why he had to go to the cross. But when he resurrected to bring us, to show that the purpose of the cross has been, is valid, has been accomplished. But that was not the end. Now he went into exalted position. Exalted. He said that, Ah, the author and the, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's our Jesus. Yes. Say, that's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. Now, I want to show you something quickly. Verse, Acts chapter 2. Because of my time, now I have to. Verse, from verse um, 29. Okay, let's look at verse 29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, <laughs> that he's both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Next verse, let's go on. Um, therefore, being a prophet, David was a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with, with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. God told David. Watch this. I want to show you something. Go to the next verse. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the, re- David spoke concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that his soul was not left in hate, nor did he, his, that his flesh see corruption. David spoke about it, all right? Peter was t- telling this to watch this. You know, this message, I know some of you are, I'm losing some of you, but no problem. I want you to focus on something. I want you to see something. This was the address Peter gave to the crowd on the day the Holy Ghost came. Okay. All right, I don't know how it makes sense. So when the Holy Ghost came, 
they saw the people were speaking in different languages and there was the move and people were confused. What was the meaning of these things? Some said, this is amazing. Today, our, ears, our eyes have seen amazing things and some said, oh, these guys are just drunk. So that's Acts chapter two, early bit. So verse, from verse 13 or 14, the Bible said, then Peter stood up amongst the 12 and he said, men and brethren, these guys are not drunk as you suppose. These guys are not drunk as you suppose. These guys are not drunk since it's only in the morning. <laughs> watch this, this is interesting. Then, watch this, go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. But this is, see, see, he's now making reference to the prophet. He says that what you are seeing, uh, Daniel, come, come, let's do something. <laughs> so, the Holy Ghost has come on you and just, uh, 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 so just, just Ushers, come and give her a cloth. Ushers. Do we have some ushers here? Are we okay? Okay. So the Holy Ghost has come on here. The Holy Spirit, I, mean, I hope you won't sleep again. The Holy, go ahead. The Holy Ghost has come on here, and then they are wondering, but what's, what's she doing? She? Then Peter gets up and he said, This is what prophet has said, what you think. Because the prophet has been telling you, st stay still, stay still. The prophet has been telling you, watch this, my time. Something is about to happen. Yeah. God is about, but do you believe the prophet? Yes. Because Israelites operate by the prophet, the word of the prophet, not by the word of parliament. Israel is prophet, not parliament. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. So what the prophet say is final and law. Yeah. So anything the prophet says, they document it waiting for the manifestation. And so they always live their life based on expectation of what the prophets have said. And so when the Holy Ghost came upon this guy, starts Holy Ghost, and then the Jews, they're saying, that, what's the meaning of this? Why is she behaving like, why is she behaving like, what's this? Then Peter stood up amongst the 12 and he says that this is what the prophet said. So he pointed what is happening to the prophetic declaration by prophet Joel. That this, and what did the prophet say? Thank you, pastor. What did the prophet say? That in the last, oh my God. He said, it shall come to pass in the last days ah, that I will pour out my spirit. Say my spirit. Say my spirit. Prophet, come, quickly. Those times, prophet, get up. Minister blessed, get up, prophet. Pastor, get up, prophet. All the, the, the five of you, prophets. Prophets. So, um, no, sit down. When he finished prophesying, then he comes. Sit down, please. Sorry about that. Sir, sit down. Let me show you. So, a prophet comes on the scene, eh, and I'm the, assume, okay, I can't say I'm the Holy Spirit. Let's say this is the Holy Spirit. Okay. Prophet comes upon us, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Like Amos chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> Sorry, this is your very expensive spectacles. <laughs> like Amos chapter 1, verse 1. Mm. Okay, Amos 1, 1 says that the, the word of the Lord who, who, uh, sorry, the, the words of Amos, uh, all right, go to the next verse, let me see. I want to show you something. And he said, the word of the Lord arose in Zara. Okay, it's not Amos, that one. He says that this is the word of the Lord that came to Amos. The word of the Lord came. A lot of the prophets say that. All right, so they don't just get up and speak. God's spirit comes upon them. Like Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, he says that old men were moved, holy men of old, were moved by the spirit. They didn't speak by themselves. He said, the prophet, no prophecy was, that's, that's better. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Spirit. How did they speak? How did we have prophecy in the old? They were moved by the Spirit. So that tells you, if there is no Spirit, there can't be prophecy. 
Because the prophecy is a spirit thing. And so the prophet comes, and the spirit comes in, and then begins to declare, begins to declare, but I can't live permanently. Then he dies. Hurry up, say. The next prophet comes on the scene, prophesy, 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 and then he dies. Next prophet. The next prophet comes upon the scene, he prophesy, 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 then he dies. While his time is going, the next prophet is coming. So that's how God has always dealt with his people. Prophesy, 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 then he dies. Come, come, prophet, hurry up. Then the next prophet comes upon the scene, prophesy. <laughs> it's on purpose, he stayed too long. I was <laughs> so prophesy, 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 then she goes. So, what did you notice? Did you realize, did they all receive the same thing at the same time? No. It's one after, because it comes one. It comes one. But then one of them prophesied, and he said, you see the way you've been coming one on us? In the last days, wow. God will pour his spirit upon all of us. So, that seemed to be not strange. They all waited for the day. So he went, so the new prophet has prophesied. Then, the day the Holy Spirit came. Don't they look like drunk? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And he says, the Holy Spirit has come upon them. And do you know one? When the Holy Ghost comes upon people, there is always one thing that the prophets were doing. What do they do? When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke. They spoke. They spoke. Now, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came, everybody heard them speaking in their own language. So they spoke. The Holy Ghost comes on you, you speak. When the Holy Spirit comes, there will be an utterance. So Bible said they all heard them in their own language. And they were marveled. And they said, what is the meaning of this? Acts chapter 2, are you with me? Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these Galileans? How come? Go quickly with me. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Ah, this is amazing. How? Go to the next verse. Persians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Go to the next quickly with me. And Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, and uh, adjoining Cyrene, uh, visited from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabs, and Arabs. We all hear them speak in our own tongue. And. <laughs> the wonderful works of God. So you see, watch this. They were distracted by the phenomenon. The, what got their attention was, we can hear them in our own language. The miracle was they could hear. She's speaking, I can hear Fante. I can hear, you can hear Yoruba. You can hear Cantonese. You can hear French. What's the meaning of, it should be one language. This is amazing. So watch this. Back on the screen, my time. So the, we, so so they were all amazed and confused, perplexed, saying to one another, "What? What? Esther, come and join. <laughs> we need some people too. Yes, come, come. You come closer. Yeah, Esther, come this way. Come this way. You have fresh energy. Aria." But you know, what happened in the day of, you want to join? What happened in the day of? (laughs) 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 
But wait, 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 my time. You know what? You know what? Some my of you God. are not long listening to me. You are distracted by what's happening. That's that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were distracted by their happenings. So if someone had to interpret what is happening to them. So this is, and then when they were distracted, some of them were negative. Yeah. See verse 13. Is it verse 13 or verse 12? Um, others mocking. <laughs> Look at them. The way some of you are mocking. <laughs> Look at them. He said they are full of new wine. Then 14 says, watch this, 14. Then Peter, standing up, with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all you who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words. What did he say, verse 15? For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only in the morning. The next verse, look at this. But this is what was spoken by the prophet. What you are seeing, he spoke about it. What did he say? Okay, oh, tell her, what did he say? He, he said, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I, God, will pour my spirit on all flesh. So he didn't say individuals, but all. Many people will receive the spirit at the same time. At the same time, prophesying at the same time. So he began to explain this what he said. Then he went on to other things he said. Then do you know who no preaching is sound if it doesn't start and end on Jesus? Then he started that Bible says that he quoted that scripture down down and it ended up on. For verse 21, for whoever shall call on the name of the Lord, whoever. So, please listen. He started explaining the text to them. Then he went on there saying that, hear me this, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God. You see, a man attested by God with signs, wonders, and miracles, which God did through him amongst you. But you, with lawless hands, have killed and crucified, and yet God raised him from the dead. Then started saying that he was raised from the dead, but David the patriarch said that God has told me that I'm going to let your son sit on your throne. But David died, and his tomb is with us today. And then so he started talking about David, David, David. So now verse 31, verse 31. This all he's preaching to explain what is happening. Remember, he was preaching to interpret what is happening. He wasn't preaching a nice sermon or some theological points and try to impress people. He was explaining the move of God from scripture. So he said, for seeing this, David spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left to see corruption. Go to the next, verse 32. This Jesus God has raised up. This Jesus has, uh, sorry, uh, uh, this Jesus God has raised up of whom we are all witness. Because it's not something that was done in the corner. Watch this. So, do you see that he said this Jesus? Mm-hmm. He started by saying, this is what the prophet said. Yes. Then he went, after quoting the prophet, he said, but the prophet said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall not be to sin. 
So he connected the lordship of Jesus and then started saying that Jesus and man attested. After explaining, he, he was crucified, he died, but David said he will be resurrected and saying that, he said, put it back on the screen, this Jesus, this Jesus I'm talking about, God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Now, look at the verse 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right, what Jesus, the Jesus of um, nativity story. Yes. The Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. The baby Jesus in the arms of a picture Mary. So this Jesus being exalted after he has died, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise. Well, watch this. This is what I want to draw attention to. The exaltation of Jesus brought us into certain benefits. And the chief of all the benefits, when you read, is just this. When God exalted him to his right hand, all that God did, he now took the promise of the, of the Holy Spirit and has now poured upon This is the result of the exalted Jesus. Church cannot happen if Jesus had not gone to die. So he said, you must be happy I am going. Because unless I go, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the Spirit himself will not come upon you. And so the day the Spirit came, they were con- people were confused. All Lucas, and he explained from scripture. Thank God it didn't happen in Antioch. Yeah. Do you know why? Because there will not be many Jews there. It didn't happen in Rome. Even that was the, the, Rome was then the capital of the world. The world power. Should have happened in Rome. No, because the Romans are, are not Jews. So you, it will be difficult to interpret the prophets to non-Jews. Jews operate by the prophets. So do you know what happened? It happened in Jerusalem. Do you know what time it happened? At the time when Jews traveled from all, like the way they go to Mecca. The uh, Muslims go to Mecca, the Hajj. So it was Jews who practiced, who used to practice that, and they still do it, pilgrimage. They travel from, Jews are everywhere. They travel from all over the world and every town and come to Jerusalem for that special day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, it was not dedicated for Christians. It was just that, it was on that day. The day of Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. It signifies 50 days after Passover, Pent, 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 five. Pentecost, okay? So 50 days after Passover. But Jesus Christ, when he died, what happened? He died on Passover, resurrected, and after he resurrected, the Bible says that he showed himself alive for 40 days. He was with them, and he left. And he told them that not many days from now, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so when he left, they also went to the upper room where they were together. Praying. They were praying. They were praying. And it happened that on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, while they were all together in one place, Bible says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared like clothing tongues of fire, verse 3 of Acts chapter 2, and sat on each of each and every one of them. And verse 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with tongues as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance. So the resurrected Jesus, what did he do? When 
he went to sit before the Father, he now, verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Acts 2, 33. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out on he put, he put out this which you now see. So what the people were seeing and hearing was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit which Joel was speaking about. Why do I have to go through all this? Mainly, I want to draw your attention to the fact that the exalted Jesus is practically and severely very radically different. Okay. The exalted Jesus brings the church into all kinds of colorful opportunities and advantages mm. when it comes to the realm of the spirit. So the earlier the church begins to relate with Jesus as the exalted Jesus, our living God, it then allows the Holy Spirit. And when he was exalted, he became several things, he's several things to us, but chief of them all, according to John chapter 1, verse 30. Three and 34, he said, I don't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said, upon whom, the one whom you see the Holy Spirit descend, he is, and remain, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. John had the public on his side. Everybody was rushing. Bible said all Jewish Judea came to him. Everybody was going to him. He was the biggest thing in town. And then he tells them, he makes this breaking news. There is one coming after me who is preferred before me because he was before me. He is greater than I. Who's, the sandals of whose shoes I'm not even qualified to undo. Wow. So he started pointing them to Jesus. And then he said in Matthew chapter 3 from verse 11, 12 downwards, he said, it is he who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. He said, I baptize you with water. But this, this Holy Ghost baptizer is coming. So when Jesus was exalted, now he sat in his office as the baptizer, the releaser, the sender of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the word that Joel the prophet prophesied. Wow. So... You cannot, Chidi, you cannot have church outside of the Holy Spirit. What people call church can be some nice organized social ceremonies. It takes the Holy Spirit to have church. It takes the it takes the Holy Spirit to have Christianity. So if you are a Christian, that means you are a Christian because your Christianity is a function of the Spirit. Without your work with the Holy Spirit, you will be a failing Christian. Because it takes, you see, when they ask someone to bring a sample, whether stool or urine or semen, they are looking for something inside it to determine your condition, what is flowing in your blood, or blood sample. So they can tell whether there's too much sugar. So when they take your blood sample to test for sugar level, they won't come back with HIV report. (laughs) 
when they take your blood sample to check the, whether you've got a particular sickness or not, they won't come back with the result of a different pregnancy test. They are going to come back with, so because they have, they have to subject that blood or that sample to a certain uh, 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 chemical process to be able to determine whether what they are looking for is inside it. When you become born again, there is only one thing that determines whether you are working with God, whether you're a Christian or not. It is the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you see, so if you, if you see somebody, if you go to a meeting to know whether this is Christian, check, look for the sample of the Holy Ghost. Yes. Wow. A collection of our church members should tell you whether this church is focused on the real thing or something fake. Yes. Because the Holy Spirit is what determines the authenticity of any Christian gathering activity, any move is the Holy Spirit. People can be screaming, sweating, jumping, shouting. It does not mean it's Christian. You can be reading the Bible and quoting scriptures. It does not mean it's Christian. So how do we know the Holy Spirit is, is, is inside it? He said, there are signs of the, Holy, the presence of the Holy Spirit. The signs, the chiefest of all signs is that he points to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has not got any job. He has not got any job. He, all he is supposed to do is, you come to him and you can't see him. So, come, since you were the one almost sleeping. So, and let's say I'm the Holy Spirit. Permit me to use that, okay? Come to me. So stand somewhere. Come to me. And this is Jesus. Where you come, I draw you, come, you won't see me. You end up with Jesus. Go yeah. and embrace him. That's Jesus. You to come. You are coming to the Holy Spirit. Come, come. Holy Spirit, yes, to Jesus. Pastor Philly, take your time. <laughs> you come to Jesus. When you get your Jesus, you can go and leave the Jesus standing there. Others can enjoy. Coming to the Holy Spirit. Coming to the Holy Spirit. And then, so I'm attracting you. I'm attracting you. Coming to me. Holy Spirit is calling you. It's calling you. Philip. <laughs> Philip is calling you. It's calling. Philip, take your time, okay? It's calling. <laughs> Holy Spirit is calling. Holy Spirit. Calling. Okay. Now this one, you can stay with him. <laughs> Give the Lord a clap! <laughs> Hallelujah! Christianity is Holy Spirit. So Christianity was born on the day the Holy Spirit came. Next week I'll continue in talking about the work, the movements of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And how I'll talk also, if I get a chance another time, I'll talk about how to actually walk with the Spirit. Because the reason why you are getting frustrated, the reason why you are the pastor, I don't know why, when I take my Bible, I can't read anything, is there's something missing, so long as connectivity with the Spirit is concerned. Because it's the Spirit of reality. He's the only one who makes it live. Even me, when I take my Bible sometimes, if I'm not in, in the flow of the Spirit, I take my Bible and, oh, uh, and sometimes you are reading and you are thinking about uh, the Chinese fried rice. <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. 
you are, you are trying because they say you should read your Bible every day. You are trying. I'm trying. Can't you see? I'm trying. I'm trying to finish it. Oh, <laughs> Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. Yes. That is the kingdom of God. It's the Holy Spirit. When he went to heaven, all he did is to give us final text, then I'm done. Are you interested? Yes. Even if you are not, I'll give it to you. <laughs> Galatians chapter, Galatians chapter 3, verse, verse number 13 and 14. Oh, I like that text. I think it would be good if we all read it from the screen. It talks about Christ has become a curse. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Would you promise me that you read it out loud? Yes. Let's all read it out loud. Let's go. Why has he become a curse for us? Why has he become a curse for us? So that the <laughs> so that he became a curse. Christ has become a curse for us. That oh my God, this is too good. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, the Gentiles. A Gentile is someone who is not Jew. And God in the in the days of the prophets only related with the Jews. He doesn't tell you how to deal with Gentiles with your hair shaved like this. Oh, Gentile can't deal with you. <laughs> he can't deal with you as a Gentile. And Jews were not even supposed to mingle with you. A Jew is not supposed to go to the house of a Gentile. If you do, when you leave, you have to go through purification. And when a Gentile decides to pursue God and also become like, a, a practice Judaism, then they are called proselytes. And a proselyte is not allowed to enter in the synagogue. There's divided it. So the main chamber, then the outer one, there's a little wall where the women will be. And then beyond the women, there's another wall. That one, Gentiles who have come, stay there. So Jesus Christ died, and Bible says that he has removed the middle wall of partition. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter two, verse 14. Bible says, for he himself is our peace who has taken, what, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation. Wow. He removed it so that now there's no more, in church, there's no more Jew or Greek. There's no more Jew or Gentile. There are no more male or female. There are no more employed or unemployed. When we come to Christ, because of what Christ did, he has removed demarcation classes. In church, there's no class. Don't come to church with your certificate. Don't come to church with your, your, your five-bedroom house. Don't come to church to be treated based on your social status. Because in Christ, we are all one. Now watch this as I finish this. So he, he took, it's good to see you, sir. He took the middle wall of partition, removed it so that Jews and Gentiles can have normal relationship and normal flow. That's what Christ has done. So he said, Christ has become a curse for us. Being hanged on the tree. Why? Because it is written that curse is anyone who hangs on the tree. So as he hung on the tree, now he's cursed. 
But he hasn't done anything to warrant a curse. Because Proverbs chapter 22, I think verse 26 says, or something, no, 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 somewhere it says that there's a curse, no, Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2, I think so. A curse without a cause will not stand. So if you're operating under a curse, there must be a reason why the curse is valid. So Jesus Christ was on the cross. Why is he operating curse? Because he's on the cross. But why must he go on the cross to be cursed? Because of us, we are cursed. He took our place of the curse so that we might become the righteousness of God. So he has redeemed us, having been made a curse. Because he said, curse be the one who hangs on the tree. Why? So that, verse 14, so that the blessing of Abraham, say the blessing of Abraham. Shout it, the blessing of Abraham that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, the Gentiles. Now watch this, mama. This is where I'm trying to lead to. He said he became a curse for us. He redeemed us so that the blessing of Abraham might do what? Come upon us, the Gentiles. Let's finish the text. Most of us, that's where we stop. But the text doesn't stop there. What is the blessing? That we might re... The what? The whole thing is about the spirit. It's about the spirit. Christ came to die so you'll be redeemed for what? That you might receive the spirit. That the spirit of God shall inhabit you. That you will be the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be moving with you. He'll be doing things with you. He'll be actually doing things through you because you were created to be a vessel. So that means that in your life somewhere, there is a chamber somewhere in your life which is reserved for the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit cannot come until you are born again. So when, when you become born again, what's supposed to happen? The Holy Spirit comes into your life. And then the, the journey begins. And it convicts you of what? Righteousness. Righteousness. Once you are in Christ, it tells you you are the righteousness of Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the righteousness. If you that, for we are the workmanship of God in Christ, created unto good works. God has carefully woven us, carefully designed us, carefully made us in Christ. You are not an accident. It's the Holy Spirit. Next week, I'll believe God and focus on the Holy Spirit in the church. Our outreach is meaningless. It's useless. We'll be, try, we'll be busy trying to convince people. Yeah. Can I tell you what one of the evidence that showed that you are actually elected by God? Because you can't stay away. Some of you, if you had your own way, you wouldn't come to church. But something has hooked you up. People are surprised you are born again. You? People are surprised. What happened? It is the spirit. It is not the pastor's preaching. It is the spirit's conviction. It's the spirit's working. So if I preach without the flow of the spirit, I'm wasting my time. And I'm wasting your time. If we have church without the Holy Spirit, we are just having pity party. Non-alcoholic gathering. But it is the Holy Spirit. If there's something you should desire in your Christian work, listen, it shouldn't be a wife. It shouldn't be a husband. It shouldn't be a house. It shouldn't be a car. 
because all those things, you can have them and still be very useless in the hands of God. But someone can be homeless and yet filled with the Holy Spirit. Bible said, and Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit. And Philip, a man full of the Holy Spirit. And Paul got up filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And there was none among them that lacked. It was a function of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's get it right. Holy Spirit before your breakthrough. You want to say, Pastor, I want to be fruitful. I want to start afresh with Jesus. Because I know I need Jesus. So I want to invite him into my life. I want to start afresh. I know God is speaking to me and I can't pretend anymore. I can't postpone it. That's your genuine prayer. You want to say, Pastor, please pray with me. I need Jesus. I want to invite him. If that's your genuine prayer, you want to say, Pastor, pray with me. I need Jesus. I want to start serving him and bearing fruit. I want to start a new relationship with him because I know my relationship with Jesus is not good. I want to start afresh. I want to be born again. I want to invite him. If that's your genuine prayer, lift up your right hand and I'll pray with you. You know now you don't care. You want to believe God. It starts, it starts, with, it starts with making it plain. It starts with it. Just lifting your hands, which is a statement from your heart. The Lord... I'm ready. That's you're going to pray after me. When I say, say after me, from your heart, lift up your two hands as a sign of surrendrance, please. Say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I've sinned against you. But I believe that you died on the cross to save me, a sinner, from my sins. I ask you to come into my life. Wash me with your blood. Make me new. From today, I make a commitment that I will serve you. I'll put all my faith in you. I'll trust you. I'll walk with you. I'll bear fruit for you to the glory of your name. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.